In these unprecedented times, we need effective immune support. That's why I'm excited to introduce two formulas that work, CV Defense and CV Acute. There's nothing quite like them. CV Defense is a daily preventative. The only supplement that delivers the six most important ingredients to optimize your immune function, including PEA, a critical molecule for long-term immunity at the cellular level. CV Acute is a fast-acting, great-tasting syrup for direct immune activation. It eliminates invaders with a fruit flower and root of patented Chinese medicine. I take it when I feel run down to fend off respiratory infections. Both products are safe, all-natural, and backed by numerous clinical trials. For more information and to order, go to TotalImmuneHealth.com and take advantage of discounts from 30 to 50% just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. That's TotalImmuneHealth.com. TotalImmuneHealth.com for the most exciting immune support products in years. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. A very, very fundamental uh, aspect of uh, integrative medicine is uh, the effort to forestall aging. And uh, the book we're about to discuss today uh, really is a very, very comprehensive rundown of the ways we age and offering practical strategies for how to forestall the aging process itself. Our guest is Greg McPherson. Greg is a pharmacist and author of a wonderful new book, Harnessing the Nine Hallmarks of Aging. It just came out last month. And Greg is a pharmacist uh, with a great deal of background in, in biochemistry. I wish I could download his knowledge base into my brain with a chip. Uh, he comes to us from Auckland, New Zealand, uh, through the miracles of modern technology. I'm in New York. He's in Auckland, New, uh, New Zealand. It's Thursday as I record this. It's a beautiful afternoon here in New York. Uh, he's waking up to Friday in New Zealand. It's spring in New York. I guess it's uh, autumn down there in, in Auckland, right? Absolutely. I'm looking out the window now at the uh, the garden and we're starting to see the leaves fall. And um, we're heading into that, uh, that time of the year where the weather's just a little unsettled. Yeah. So uh, what's also unsettled is uh, the global pandemic. And so before we launch into discussion of aging, uh, you know, you say that COVID-19 is going to change a lot of things uh, and uh, including uh, our approach to aging. But how has uh, New Zealand fared? We've been incredibly fortunate, Ron. Um, I think we've we've got a lot, rather large moat and we've um, got a very small population. So we've been fortunate enough to to bypass the worst of the epidemic uh, or pandemic, um, we've we've been through a number of lockdowns as cases have built a little high. But um, you know we count our our deaths in New Zealand in the in the low double digits. Um, and um, right now we're living in a world which is essentially well in a New Zealand world which is mm-hmm. essentially COVID free. Um, we we are bringing plenty of COVID in through the borders, but we've got a, a quarantine system. Um, that at the moment is appears to be working. So uh, cross mm. fingers um, and um, and all's well. But certainly we, we watch and look um, at what's happening in the wider world and um, feel very grateful for, for where we are right now. 
You know, it, you, you comment that COVID-19 is going to change a lot of things, uh, even from the perspective of aging. And it seems to me that, you know, at least from my standpoint in the United States, that uh, we've had a bit of a setback uh, in terms of our efforts to extend longevity that, you know, not just because of the deaths directly attributable to COVID, uh, but uh, the weight gain, the despair, the stress, uh, the poor eating habits, uh, all of these things have conspired to make a lot of Americans gain weight, develop uh, metabolic syndrome, which is certainly one of the pathways to aging. Uh, is that what you had in mind when you said COVID is going to change a lot of things? I think that's um, absolutely, and, and even more as um, we, we, you know, even the mental health effects that um, we're, people are experiencing um, from COVID um, has a material impact on the, the, the physical, uh, physical well-being. So, um, but certainly, you know, the, the exercise, the isolation, um, these things are, will contribute to the long tail effect of, of COVID. And um, I also think, you know, even just the numbers of people um, and where people were when the when the pandemic struck. So, you know, the, we'll have people reassess exactly how they want to perhaps have the sort of end of life, um, how they handle it as well. So where I'm getting to there is just, you know, the residential care facilities that have been hammered by the um, pandemic. Um, you know, maybe that's going to force a bit of a reset, rethink, and um, maybe we'll, we'll live at home more. And that right. might be a slightly better better option. Yeah, because this whole uh, policy of warehousing uh, the elderly uh, mm. in uh, senior care facilities uh, has really backfired and, and precipitated a disaster. I don't know what it's like down in New Zealand, probably to some extent, but you know that's where uh, the bulk of the deaths have occurred in, in places like New York, where I'm broadcasting from. Yeah, it uh, it works well until it doesn't, and I um I sort of your 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 descriptor is great. I, I kind of think of it as at some points as battery farming, and it's not um not really a very kind way of putting it, but it's it's a pretty um pretty tough environment um and quite scary I think for folks in in that in in the rest homes, um and and so yeah I think it's going to trigger just a bit of a rethink on how we do this. You know, a lot of people, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, anti-aging, you say, hey, you know, in the future, you'll be able to live to be 90 or 100. It'll become common. People, uh, the lifespan will be extended. A lot of people go, hey, I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, you and your book, however, say yeah. that it, it's a challenge that we should become excited about the prospect of living 90 or 100 years with uh, additional years of uh, creativity and, uh, you know, ways of uh, relaunching our our personal interests and even our careers. Yeah, I think we've got a, a current paradigm which is about to get uh, get smashed to pieces. Um, I'm fairly confident with uh, the, the breakthroughs that are happening right now that um, you know we will live incredibly healthily um, to, to triple digits. Um, and what's exciting about that is that, um, and I think what makes people most nervous about hitting those numbers is that uh, you know you associate that with perhaps sitting in that rest home or uh, perhaps losing your faculties, a little dementia, incontinence of the brain and other, and other things. Um, and so it's, it's like, well, let's, let's approach this and go, well, actually, if we can live healthier for longer, we actually defer all those things, kick, them, kick that can down the road. And it could be that, you know, by approaching aging slightly differently, these aging, these, the, the diseases of old age, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, et cetera, um, 
they, know, they don't need to impact on us um, until much, much later because we're actually living with much healthier cells. And when we do that, then we've got the health and vitality in our 60s, 70s, 80s, um, 90s, 100s. So, so that's what we, what, where our future is heading. You referred to the distinction between health span versus disease span. Can you explain that? Yeah, that was a, a quite a, um, a little bit of a, um, a moment for me when I, when I, I looked up lifespan and, and health span. And, and the difference is, you know, health span is just the amount of time we spend on the planet being healthy. And um, obviously, lifespan is the length of time we have on the planet. Um, so I was busy um, thinking, yeah, look, I'll, I'll aim for 82, maybe 90. Um, and then I saw what the average lifespan, uh, sorry, health span was, and it's 63. Mm. So that was, that's, that's 13 years or 12 years for me, um, away. I'm, and, over, um, I'm over the hill in that case, you know. I've got it. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, I'm, it's, I'm feeling tired. I think I'm going to take to bed and, uh, you know, pull the covers <laughs> over my head. Yeah. So no, I think you just, you know, you just sort of sit there and you're, you're just on cruise control thinking all's well. And then all of a sudden, um, you're, you're up against it. And of course, it's an average. And I would say that you'd be uh, an outlier, um, in, in the positive way. But, um, the reality is that we can expect to live, um, 10 to 15 years in poor health yeah. before we, um, part the planet. And that's the dilemma. You know, it, sometimes uh, it's stated that, uh, you know, with industrialized countries where people are surviving longer and longer, can, can we afford it? I mean, you know, the burden to our healthcare system and uh, the, the, the loss of productivity. Uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of these uh, inverted pyramids in countries like uh, Japan, even China is approaching that, you know, with the one child policy, you know, more and more people are going to be older. Uh, and young, it's going to be a burden on, on young people to support them. Yeah, there's a um, something called the I think it's called the potential support ratio, and it, it essentially um, works out how many um, adults over the age of 65 are um, being supported by people in the workforce. And um, in Japan, it's less than two. Hmm. So um, quite a frightening statistic. So uh, I think with the advances in our understanding of aging and healthy aging, that um, you know, uh, that retirement's going to become this quaint um, concept that um, people look back in history and go, "Gosh, that was nice." People could sort of hang up their clogs and, and have a bit of a rest from the age of sixty-five, whereas the rest of us in twenty-one hundred are having to work to to a hundred. And and it could be that we just adapt the way we live and we work uh, for, the, for our first part of our career or first forty years. Um, with, you know, relative intensity. And then we wind it back and say, well, look, we'll, we'll be productive um, units still and contribute to society so that we're not a burden. And we work two to three days a week um, and we balance life with a bit of leisure. Um, and, of course, we'll aim, we'll help our longevity as well. So um, I, I think just, you know, the, the structure of society will change and it'll be for the positive. So you, in the book you refer to a phenomenon called death by lifestyle. Uh there are things called NCDs, non-communicable diseases. Of course, we have communicable diseases that are killing people, but far outnumbering them are the NCDs. You say that's 60% of the global burden of disease, and many of these conditions are preventable. So I guess that offers us a window into how we can uh, improve not just uh, lifespan, but also health span. Yeah, we, we've we've... Done an amazing job of improving life expectancy over the last, uh, I guess, what, since the 1850s. It's been going up around three to four years 
per generation. So quite remarkable. And, and life expectancy is the average age that someone's expecting to live. And for someone in New Zealand, um, a male in New Zealand, it's about uh, 80, a little over 80. Um, but um, life expectancy depends on where you're born. So for example, um, you know, at the top end, you're looking at places like Japan that have got quite high life expectancy, but places like um, Chad in Africa, um, it's actually down at the, in the low 50s. And it doesn't mean that you hit 50 and, and uh, kill over. It just means that on average, that's, that's mm-hmm. the age you like reach. So we, what's the difference between um, perhaps New Zealand and America and Chad is that um, the developed countries have solved the issues around communicable diseases we've you know there's not so much death and childbirth there's not so much infant mortality and so as we solve these things then we we ratchet up the life expectancy as the average age and our chance of getting into old age is, is much longer so now we've shifted uh, from the 1850s where communicable communicable diseases were the main issue to um, non-communicable uh, diseases which are the really considered to be the diseases of old age. Um, so we, we're talking about the metabolic syndrome you're referring to, um, the, the heart disease, the um, diabetes, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's. So so now we're butting up against, the, I guess, the other end of the spectrum. And we are making progress. Um, every, every year we're getting better at dealing to these illnesses. Um, but I think, we're yeah, again, we're about to have a, a step change. Um, and, and, you know, the, as you mentioned, the diet, is, is possibly the key thing that we could be doing right now. And um, this diet that we've, for whatever reason, ended up with is just, it's almost like our biology is allergic to it, the amount of sugar and carbohydrates and and so on. Um, mixed up with that sedentary lifestyle that we're, we, we are doing, it's, um, you know, it, it just doesn't suit our biology. If we wander back 100,000 years ago, we were certainly working a lot harder for our, for our food. Um, we were exercising and moving a bunch and we certainly weren't consuming the amount of sugar and complex carbohydrates that we do today and that's uh, fundamentally what appears to be driving the, uh, the the non-communicable disease issue and epidemic. Well, in the, the book's title is Harnessing the Nine Hallmarks of Aging and you, you beautifully break it down, you know, so let, let's tackle some of those. Uh, you know, first of all, you know, we've given mention to uh, progressive insulin resistance, which seems to be pandemic in the Western world, that's for sure. Uh, you also uh, reference the, the mitochondria as sort of a, a clock that kind of winds down uh, that uh, results in decreased energy, decreased organ function. Uh, what about that? Yeah, it's um, the, the, the nine hallmarks of aging. Um, Ron is is just a just a for your audience is a actually came to light in a paper back in two thousand and thirteen in the Cell Journal, and it was really brought about in the absence of a, a sort of a general theory or a unifying theory of of aging and why we age. Um, and it was in response to that, and it identified a consensus of of nine areas of our cells that decline with age and and specifically what defined them was that if you made these things worse then you accelerated aging and if you ameliorated them then you you slowed the aging process down so and so back to mitochondria um, these are cellular batteries um, they decline with every advancing decade from our 30s and so that puts our cells into a bit of a situation because they 
that when, when they're starved of energy, then they've got to make some decisions on you know what exactly I guess how they're operating. Um, obviously, we need lots of energy, and we know when we uh, when we're young, we can run around and we're pretty bulletproof. And we if we do get sick, we get better a lot faster. Um, the the effective age essentially on these mitochondria is is like I guess if we had a V8, um, every decade you lose the power of one cylinder, and so it, it just materially impacts on our cells function. Um, and, and when mitochondria are kind of out of tune, they actually uh, spill a whole bunch more free radicals into the cell. And so there's this sort of virtuous death spiral, if you will, um, not virtuous at all, but uh, a death spiral, which, um, which just materially impacts on the, 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 uh, the, the, the efficiency of our cellular operation. And so what's exciting with that and what's exciting with the nine hallmarks is now that we've got some identified Areas of our cells that we can target, we can start to look for look for molecules that can actually uh, impact on these parts of our cells. And so, one of the exciting products that many doctors and many people in, in your your circle and audience will have heard of is NAD, mm-hmm. which is a key enzyme which declines with age. And and, and uh, that uh, that enzyme um, has a material impact on our mitochondrial function. And the less we have, the, the worse it looks. Yeah, the uh, you know there's a lot. There's a big buzz on uh, NAD supplementation. Uh, the product we use is nicotinamide uh, riboside, and you know there's some really promising studies on that. Uh, coenzyme Q10, terastilbene, you know, uh, carnosine. You mentioned several others in relation to mitochondrial support. Yeah, there, um, there is, uh, the, the beauty, I guess, of advancing science is, is really advancing our understanding of how these, these tiny little batteries operate. And, um, yeah, along with, um, NAD boosting, um, there are molecules like, uh, astaxanthin, which are mitochondrial, well, actually cellular stabilizing antioxidants, um, that have, have remarkable efficacy. Um, I'm really excited about a new ingredient, um, or a new molecule called hobamine. Hobamine comes from, Himalayan tartary buckwheat. And, and I just tackles. interviewed uh, Jeff Bland, who's, of course, a big proponent oh, of that. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm so excited about that molecule. And so that really uh, tackles oxidative stress in a completely different way. Um, and what I like about it is that it, it allows free radical signaling, um, which is potentially muted by traditional antioxidants. So we get all the benefit of antioxidants in terms of protecting our cellular organelles and structure. Um, without the uh, the downside of some of that um, the, the muting, if you will, of, of uh, free radical signaling, so that's that's one that's going to be, um, I think, play a uh, well. We'll see more and more of it as the research starts coming through. What you just said uh, implies that uh, our strategy, uh, which is based on the free radical theory of aging, I and mean, that was quite popular until recently, and there's some holes in that theory that you point out in the book, uh, that it's a little overly simplistic that. Uh, uh, you know, if we completely dampen down free radicals, uh, we actually may interrupt one of the body's signaling systems. Absolutely. There's some really interesting um, research, which has been around for a wee while, but um, one of them, um, and uh, I'll, have to, um, I'll have to get the citation for you later, but it was a, a group of older adults in their uh, 70s and 80s, um, and what they did was give these uh, gentlemen um, divided them into two groups and then gave uh, they got these gentlemen to do to exercise and one group took antioxidants and the other group didn't 
And what they found was that a group that didn't take the antioxidants had a much greater muscle mass um, uh, benefit from the exercise. So it's telling us that um, whilst antioxidants um, will have some utility, that um, we just need to be a wee bit cautious about it. And obviously they're not, um, you know, we, we all take a lot of antioxidants, so it's not that it's going to be uh, particularly deleterious uh, on our health, but uh, just maybe missing something there that, um, and there are signals out there. And I think also um, there's a, a study which is relatively famous on um, smoking and I think vitamin E supplementation and the smokers that were taking vitamin E actually succumbed um, and, and died earlier than those that weren't. Yeah, there was so, also yeah, a, it, a famous beta carotene study that, uh, you know, makes a lot of sense. It seems to administer beta carotene to smokers, but uh, actually backfired. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so yes. we need a more nuanced approach. I don't, I don't think the word is out on, you know, the Goldilocks uh, balance between uh, yeah, antioxidant protection, which is important, uh, versus uh, blunting some of the body's uh, you know, protective mechanisms. Um, there's also, you know, you also talk about uh, inflammation and what is now, the term has been coined, inflammaging. And, and you say that actually has to do with uh, changes in the immune system. The immune system kind of deteriorates in some ways in its, in its functioning, permitting more inflammation as we age. Yeah, it's a, a multifactorial um, uh, uh, event, I think, uh, Ron. So we, we uh, certainly get um, fatigue in our immune system. Um, we also build up um, senescent cells, which are constantly, I guess, just activating and irritating our immune system. So we, we, we're kind of hitting it um, by making it more more active, and yet it's, um, it's fatigued and can't quite cope. And uh, it just sets in uh, this, this inflammatory process, which just sits there and... Um, and undermines um, just our cellular system, if you will. So um, certainly um, strategies around re reversing or reducing inflammation as much as we can as we age um, is, is important. And, and again, there are signals here with, with aspirin um, where uh, it appears that low-dose aspirin for, you know, for reasonably long periods of time can reduce the rates of, of cancer, for example. And so, the, again, clues everywhere that uh, reducing inflammation may reduce the burden on our immune system um, and, and help it um, um, just, I guess, identify those, those cells that um, want to head down the cancer route and, and, and head them off, so to speak. And when it comes to lifestyle, uh, there it's been pretty well delineated that some diets are pro-inflammatory. Other diets have anti-inflammatory potential. And you talk about uh, uh, all the uh, phytonutrients that can be gained from a, a plant-based diet that can uh, tamp down that bodily inflammation. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right, Ron. Um, and, and again, I sort of, I've went to the Blue Zones, which your audience may or may not know, but the Blue Zones are areas around the world that uh, where people have quite extreme longevity. And uh, these people uh, typically, um, well, when they researched these people to see what exactly they were doing that was different than the rest of us, um, that one of the key elements they found was that uh, they were they're all on a plant-based diet. And, and so there are, again, clues there that um, what these people are doing is, is actually reducing inflammation through a, a diet, which is, is for want of a better word, anti-inflammatory. Um, and of course, mixing that up with exercise, which we all know is good for us, but um, also um, triggers anti-inflammatory processes. Um, it just makes it very clear that uh, 
we 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 need to and need to atten- pay attention to this and and adopt a, a anti-inflammatory diet. Right. You place quite a lot of emphasis on uh, exercise. Uh, exercise is uh, a form of polypharmacy in a way. I mean, it 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 is so beneficial to so many uh, systems simultaneously. Uh, that's really one of our, our prime tools against uh, aging, isn't it? It's the single biggest, best intervention that you can make on your anti-aging journey. It's um, and, it, and it just, again, comes back to our biology. I mean, we're, we're wired to move, and we're wired to um, and move a lot. Um, again, the Blue Zone folk, um, they, they just embed movement into the everyday lifestyle, whether it's a, a long walk to work or a, a walk to the garden where you, you spend the day moving, um, we fundamentally just need to, to do this. And so obviously it's, it's, more, it's difficult in, in this day and age to do it, but you know, a commitment to a, a, a five-minute walk, if that's all you can do, um, is going to deliver benefits. Uh, but if you can get to half an hour, um, all the better. Um, and, and more if you can. Um, but there is a, uh, there is a, uh, you can overdo it, of course. And so, um, you know, moderation is important. But um, the more you do, by the looks, by the sounds of things, the better. Indeed. All right. So this is a good point at which to pause because we've laid down the groundwork for a further discussion of things we can do to forestall aging. One of the things that you can do is get a hold of the book uh, that's just out. Uh, was uh, pub date March 2021. Harnessing the Nine Hallmarks of Aging by today's guest, uh, pharmacist and uh, uh, anti-aging researcher, Greg McPherson. That's uh, M-A-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N. Check it out. It's it's a wonderful compendium on, you know, many of the important scientific theories that underlie our understanding about the aging process uh, in in a very understandable form. Uh, also with practical suggestions on how uh, you can implement strategies to forestall uh, some of these nine hallmarks of aging. Uh, great, great. Let's pause. And when we return, we'll continue on this theme. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. 